Anyway, as I was saying, I fucking hate you. Here I am, a simple person who just happens to have Pester Chum on their desktop. I, <laughs> I, I, I still have my my fan trolls Chum handle set. It's 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 a mess. <laughs> do people do, do people still use Pester Chum? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> wow, do you still use Pester Chum? No, I just I just keep it there for novelty's sake. Okay, fair enough. Reminder of the sins of the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what was? Oh yeah. Uh, as I was saying, um, I just found out about the uh, Bionicle fan game that got announced this year. Um, thanks to the, I believe it was Patrick Klepek's Vice article that just showed up on my Twitter timeline about twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Um, and I kind of freaked out about it. Um, uh, just so it, we're clear. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to the episode. This is... You're in the right place. Yes, yes. Uh, but yes. Loyal loyal fans will know of our love for Bionicle. Yes. Qu- Quest for Matanui. I've, I've known about it for a while. The trailer dropped back in April, and, yeah. and I found out about it, I think, in June. And I... I I'm, I'm surprised you didn't see my tweets, because I freaked out about it uh, on, on Twitter... I might have, I probably did see it, but I didn't internalize it because I, June was like when I was doing my onboarding for my job and stuff, so yeah. I had a lot of stuff on my mind. Yeah, but game looks hype. It it looks tight. Uh, the creator, he said that he's like spoken to, to three like powerful people at Lego, and the people at Lego are like completely fine with it. They He's just not allowed to make money off of it. Take notes, Nintendo. Take notes, Nintendo, please God. <laughs> But uh, it, it it looks insane. He said he he said he's heavily inspired by Dark Souls, and he plans on making the game that way. I could tell. So, um, it it has a bit of that like fan game quality to it, where you know there's a little bit too much Unity, like a little bit too much uh, yeah. blur and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it still looks like awesome, especially for what I understand to be like one guy's worth of work over six years. Yeah, he didn't start he didn't start pulling a team together until this year. Because he, he he started running into, like, issues that he didn't know how to do himself. Like, I know right now he's still looking for an animator. Uh, listeners, if you're an animator, hit him up. <laughs> T- tell him Please. we sent you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, us, and our, us and our love for Bionicle. Yeah. Um, for, for, I... Bionicle, for a Bionicle game? Looks crazy. Because yeah. in my head, Bionicle game is, like, those shitty 2D graphics that were, like, on the old Flash games. Did you ever have the 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 first person shooter that was on the DS? I, I didn't. Um, I did. I played it a lot, uh, and it was pretty cool for running at twenty frames per second. Um, but for that reason, I don't think I'll ever be able to go back to it. Um, because <laughs> it also runs like that on emulator, from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I I I guess one of the upsides of this whole pandemic situation that we have found ourselves in all year is that. Well, everyone is kind of, like, trapped inside, they've... New attention has come to a lot of, like, our childhood hobbies, and Bionicle is seeing kind of a new renaissance of attention do that, it seems. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, it, it's a, it, it really deserves all the appreciation it's getting. Maybe, uh, maybe this will make Lego look at Bionicle and go, hmm. Last time they rebooted it was crap. Yeah. <laughs> 
don't know if I trust. I don't know if I trust Lego to do Bionicle anymore. I I at least want them to like hand off the rights to the, to the original creators. Yeah, that, yeah. That's like the least I want. But that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the game turns out uh, as good as it looks. Yeah. Um, I'm now looking forward to it. I'm I'm kind of upset that I promised to record all uh when I did because I was I was just going through the YouTube and I was like shit I gotta sit down and get in the Discord channel and all that. But uh, here we are. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Segue into our reading. Um, as a preface, uh, I just want to say that I hate you, and I hate that you have complete control over the page ranges. <laughs> it it is what it is. I actually, I actually want to, uh, I want to backtrack a bit and uh, revisit last week's reading because I went back and I, I you know, I felt kind of cheated by Viz Media with uh, how. Uh, the first walk around was treated and mm. and i really wanted to go back and like do it the way it was meant to be played right. and there was actually some stuff that we didn't cover Ooh, uh poggers uh there are actually two segments for both Vriska and terezi in which it jumps into the future and I've, i felt like those two parts were a bit noteworthy uh for Vriska's part uh when when you go to the like teleporter room and you like take the Vriska teleporter, uh, if if you go long enough, like it's really like out of the way. The there's a a room that is locked, and because because of the way it's like presented, it makes you think that like there's nothing behind that door. But if you interact mm. with the computer that's next to the door, it unlocks the door, and you get to go deeper in and. The, the first instance of the, oh god, uh, the Scott Pilgrim style oh, fights happens because there's a little fight with Vriska. She fights one of the, the chess monsters, and even deeper, there there's a giant horde of boondollars, <laughs> and behind the boondollars is another locked door, and behind that locked door is her Nick Cage shrine. In which there is a, oh a, a a really fucked up little flash just, that's just Nick Cage shit. And then after that, you can jump forward in time, and at that point in time, uh, Vriska has given all of her money to John, and uh, it's it mentions something about like John has to be better than Dave. Uh, okay. And with Terezi, uh. The last room at in after you take her teleporter, uh, there's like a bunch of like tubes with chess dudes in it, and it makes you think like it's a dead end. But you have to like move the chess dudes so that they are on the squares in the center of the room. It's just a random ass puzzle. That, I don't even think this is in the official walkthrough. Yeah, uh... yeah, it 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 it's 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 bizarre that like it, it's missed, but it unlocks a secret panel in the wall. In, in which there's, like, even more, like, hidden items and shit. But you get to walk all the way back to her smelloscope, and you see uh, a blown-up prospect, and then it jumps forward in time for her, and you see a blown-up Durse, and you go back, and suddenly her entire area is, like, Davified. 
Like, all of her drawings that were on the wall are now, like, more Sweet Bro and Hella Jeffish, and there are, oh like, God. more Dave references around the room. And then, when you walk all the way back to the the teleporters, Nepeta is there, and you talk to her, and she takes you to a hidden room that is off-screen that there's no corridor to. She just walks off-screen, and you follow the path, and she's basically like, oh, here's a place for you to take a nap, and it's Airden's pile of shitty wands. And you take a nap in the pile of wands, and then there's the game over screen. So there actually was a way to finish the walk around, unlike what we said last week. It's Shit. just, it's just, it's really out of the way, and there's no mention of it in the Viz version. And I know you didn't, you didn't do it. it I had no idea. It was just so out of the way and so bizarre. And I hope there's not things like that in the future ones, because like. I don't want us to miss something again. <laughs> uh, I, this makes me want to, like, preemptively go ahead and, like, download all the future walkarounds, uh, just so that we have time to examine them after, in, in case we can't access them with Flash Player anymore. Yeah. Um, that's, that's wild. That's really cool. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and do that, because that's, that's neat. Also, like, I feel like some of that is kind of, um... I would like for that to be readily available uh, in terms of characterization yeah. um, in the future. Yeah. So, fucking, either save the, preserve the Flash in some better way, or fucking update the the actual walk-around thing. Come on, Viz Media. Viz Media continues to disappoint. Viz, the, 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 clock's, the clock's ticking. Like, yes. we, we're, we're three months away from Flash being discontinued, <sighs> and I, I, I feel like I'm watching a car crash in slow motion, and I can do nothing to stop it. Here's hoping that Firefox continues to support it in some capacity, because it, it seems like Chrome is just going to self-destruct if you try to use it. Yeah. Ugh. Um... And anyway, uh, enough dwelling on the past. Um, let's dwell on the slightly less past uh, with more updates from this comic from nine years ago. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I want to again reiterate, I hate you. Um, this is one of the biggest blue balls uh, we've gotten yet with uh, reading. It's, it's so good. I, I have so much power over not only you, but but all of our listeners, who are who are also free to just go ahead and continue past what we read. But... I specifically didn't because I know that I have to talk about this and I didn't want to distract myself. Yeah. Um, but still, I think that knowing uh, what is to come definitely taint, like, tainted my view of some of this. Um, so let's just get into it. Um, because we have a, a lot of ground to cover today. Yes. Um, this is probably going to be another 100-minute boy. We're probably going to end up in the two-hour range. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, one of your comments, uh, closing out yesterday was that this reading is kind of where Hussey starts to radically experiment with the art style, and I was not expecting it to be in such a, an insane, out-of-the-gate fashion as starting out with, like, Earthbrown sprites and then... Zooming into Hussey's, like, pre-Homestuck, uh, weird, sketchy art style. But, man, it, it just whips out of the gate at you. Yeah. It, I like it. It's so good. <laughs> I love when, I, when Homestuck starts 
not looking like Homestuck, but still looking like Homestuck. It's mm-hmm. good. I, I believe that this this art style uh, that it zooms into on page twenty eight oh five is referred to as Hus Nasty Mode. Um, I, that is the uh, <laughs> fanon name for it. And I believe that he adopted that as well uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, it's it's really different than anything else. It's it's bizarre when these characters have noses. Um, but I once you start getting used to it, I I, I think it's uh pretty good. Yeah. Um, but as for what's actually happening, um, Rose receives uh a a message from Aridan. Uh, he is being Aridan. Um, he starts unpromptedly harassing Rose about uh, how magic isn't real and she needs to stop pretending that she's doing it. Yeah, I <laughs> this this pastor lock. I, I in in my notes, I I wrote Aridan out of nowhere just starts acting like a Reddit atheist. And yes, his his character continue to amaze amaze me. It's what what turn will he take next? You never know. <laughs> we never know. It's it, yeah, it's really funny. Um, and uh, of course because it's Aradan, um, he first imprints this like tragic story of being raised nobility on her which she has absolutely no idea what she's t- what he's talking about um and then because he's Aridan, he tries to make a black romantic uh advance towards <laughs> her um and she retaliates to that by exploding his computer as we saw in the walk around flash which is delightful <laughs> it's so good I don't know what else to say. Aridan is Aridan, and he gets what's coming. To, he gets he gets a taste of what's coming to him. Yeah, that's basically what happens. Um. Next, uh, in in the queue of trolls trying to talk to Rose at this moment, uh, Aradia uh, initiates uh, a conversation. Aradia in in this the set of this exchange, it she seems like really out of character. It's so weird. Just, just like how frantic she's being, when like the the entire time like leading up to this, she's she's been so kind of like disaffected. Yeah, like she she says that like what's what's going to happen is inevitable, and she she essentially like is like really apathetic to like the occurrences time wise. But mm-hmm. but as it's been hinted at. Rose is on a path to something, and Radia really wants to stop it. <laughs> yes, um, I was so like taken aback by Aradia's tone here that I had to um, like I skipped ahead a few pages, and I was surprised to see that it was just uh, Aradia bot that we've been following um, in this conversation because I was like, this is so uh, not, this is so out of th- this. This most closely resembles. Um, the Arati that we saw in the flashbacks in the in the, in the uh, flart flashbacks. Yeah. Um, and I was like, did I forget something? Is this uh a, a, a soon to be not dead Aradia? Spoilers. Um, but no, it's just uh Aradia bot acting really bizarre. Um. Yeah. Uh. She's not. She's very urgent. Um. She's very upset. Uh. Which is the most uncharacteristic thing. Um, she talks about how, like, 
knowing what Rose is about to do, um, it, it is like upsetting and it makes her feel sick in the same, in, like in the same way as the, how she's felt since she died or yeah. even before she was dead, which I thought was an odd, uh, remark. Um, and she, she urges Rose not to mess with things more dangerous than she can imagine. Um, the upon R Rose, uh, Aradia names the what Rose is looking for is the source of the first guardians, which is a concept that we've not touched upon since early on in Hive Bent. Yeah. Um, and in in response to Rose's um kind of apathy to what Arati is trying to get through to her, she starts, like, freaking out in a way that's really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's so weird just to see Aradia just go off the shits. I... It, it's, like, it's weird because it's out of character. It just doesn't feel right for the character. It's, like, uh... And regardless of who it, it, it was, who it, this dialogue would be from, it's just so... It's such a meltdown that it's... It's just, ugh, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, just starts, like, talking about, like, blowing herself up to try to just do something so unexpected by the powers that be that it would divert the timeline. Yeah, um, which is an allusion to, uh, in the, in the walk-around, Future Radio has blown up. And yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I mean, it, that's obviously what it's alluding to, yeah. but it, it shortly, uh... It shortly cuts to Aradia failing to explode. Um, however, in the panel that we can see uh, the robot, um, Aradin's computer has exploded, and Feferi is asleep. Which uh, those are two of the those are two of the three future hints that we saw, and the other one was the Radiobot exploding. Yeah. Um. So Aradiobot explosion. Uh. Watch. I guess. It's very concerning. It, it, um, it's so concerning. If it, if anything, it really hammers home like the the anxious tone that the comic is taking on for this reading because yeah. it's like whatever is about to happen is not good, and we are going to kind of meander around and edge around it until uh the reading ends, and we don't get to see exactly what goes wrong. And I hate you. Smiles. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, I don't really want. I don't have much else to say about it. Uh, besides that, it's awkward, it's uncomfortable, and it's very grim. Yeah. Um. So I guess moving on to the 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 last in Rose's queue of trolls pestering her. Um. Nepeta. Um. This. This got me a little bit fucked up, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, you, you said something about it in the admin chat, and man, this this little segment is like pain incarnate. It Yeah. Whew. Um Nepeta bothers Rose, um, with the only the only thing that she wants is to be able to talk to Jaspers, because uh Nepeta has this is a cruel reminder that Nepeta, after the end of the game, has once again lost uh, Ponce de Leon. Um, his sprite is no longer with them. 
Uh, and so Nepeta has lost her beloved cat a second time, and she wants to talk to Jasper's because he reminds her of him, which is heartbreaking in and of itself. Um, I I think I've talked about how I am I am a big cat lover. Um, I. <laughs> One time, this this happened like a year and a half ago, or maybe more, I don't remember, but um, I remember I was walking home with my one roommate, uh, and there was like a, there was a, obviously somebody's cat who had gotten lost was out in the street, um, and I, I like knelt down, and I was like, oh, I, I was like expressing concern about where he was. He didn't have a collar on, so I didn't know what to do, um, but I was really upset by this, and my roommate said... Um, you showed more emotion talking to that random cat than I think I've seen out of you in like three years of going to college <laughs> with you. And that really, that really hit different. Um, but it, I, I, listeners, I want you to understand, uh, how bad the cat stuff gets me because I love cats and I, I know I, I can tell that Hussey does as well because the, it's a, I, it's very, I don't know. It's a, it's evocative of something. Yeah. Um, um I think uh not to embarrass myself. <laughs> I I think that the the thing about this segment is like there's there's multiple dynamics going on in like the different relations because like yes, uh Pounce was a cat, but also Pounce was like essentially Nepeta's mom. Yeah. And that... I forgot the uh, sorry. I forgot that Pounce was a girl. Like for some, it, it sounds like a masculine name to me. Oops. I, I mean, I mean, the name is a reference to uh, Ponce de, Ponce Leon. de Leon. Yeah. So, yeah. But but yeah. Uh. So, yeah. I think I think that just like adds more to it to like the sadness mm-hmm. of it. Cause uh, Nepeta seemed really close <laughs> with Pounce. Like mm-hmm. more so than other trolls. They're Lusa, yeah. 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 Uh I guess a lot of the I think correct me if I'm wrong, but it I think the only uh Lucis who seem to really have like an enduring positive relationship with their their troll, uh uh as far as I can remember, was, like, the hints that we got of whatever Aradia's relationship with her, Lucis, was, like, before uh, her death. Yeah. Um, so, Nepeta... Nepeta really had something special with her, Lucis, and it's... It's sad on a lot of levels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Rose's conversation with Jasper's as well is, uh, very, very touching, I think. Um... It got to me last time, and it's going to get to me again this time. And if it ever happens again, it's going to get to me again. Um, and I think this one is... This one has a bit of a another thematic element to it, which is about letting go. Yeah. Um, which makes it hurt, which makes it sting a little bit. Um, because what Rose basically does here is... Um, she... She lets she she releases Jasper's to do as as he wants because she doesn't she no longer needs his help um and she wants I guess she just wants him to be free um which is uh maybe 
which could be viewed as being a really on the nose allegory for what it's like to lose a pet in real life. Oh yeah. Um I don't I don't know if it was intentional um because it's repeated later with uh with Dave Sprite. Um and I it's not really referenced in Hussey's notes really don't make any reference to that. Um to 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 to, to it alluding to that um but i it's it stumbles on to being it stumbles into being that i think and it's very effective about it and it really it it makes me feel a very certain way um i don't know you you you, you take this um yeah it, it definitely brings out like a, a very unique emotion in me uh because rose is in a situation that like not many of us would be in. And by not many of us, I mean none of us. Because, you know, she lost Jasper's. Jasper's died. And, yeah. and a long time ago. A, lo- a long time ago. And she got Jasper's back. Uh, and th- there's, there, there's really something about having a chance to get a dead pet back. But then going back and, like, making that active choice to let go. Yeah. Cause like when I was reading this, uh, some 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 of the listeners may know if 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 they followed me long enough, but uh, my bird, uh, bird, his name, uh, he passed away recently, back in November, and he he was my pet for like my entire life, like he he was just always around, and I wonder a lot. I I'm like, well, would it, you know, death happens, but. I, I'd give anything to like have him back, but the the there there was something about losing him that that helped me move to a new point in life. And with with pets, I do think there is an essential part in losing them because you know with pets, most of the time you have a pet when you're a kid and while that pet is around, you'd still have connections to being a kid and losing that pet more or less represents growing up. Yeah. I, I don't think it'd be a stretch to say that for any, uh, anybody who has a pet, like a cat or a dog when they're a very young child, that that will inevitably be their first brush with death Yes, and having to learn that people, that things die. Yeah. Um, and that's always, uh, I, I think for anybody who experiences that, that's a very marked point in your in in growing up. Yeah, and particularly in in Homestuck, we we've had all these allusions to Rose doing something, Rose going down some path, and I do think in her eyes she sees it necessary to finally let go of Jasper's and to probably in her eyes finally grow up. I I, I I feel like that's what's going through her mind her mind at this point yeah I, I I think that that's fair um I think because yeah uh this this conversation really focuses on that in that um Jasper's talks about how he thinks that Rose should still go through with the objectives of the game not because creating a universe is what's important, but because the game embodies what's... Her quest will embody what is important for her. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't I don't remember if this is the first time this concept was introduced. Um, but I think that this is the this is really driving it home that the journey that one undertakes in the game and the your class that is given to you somehow embodies some pe- some personal journey that you need to go through to mature. Yeah. And that at its core is to me what Homestuck is about. Yes. Um and agree. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I, I I do think that it's mentioned before uh, with in with the trolls and their classes, it's touched on a little bit. I, I think that if you want to like this this moment marks the pivotal part of Rose growing up. I think that this marks the the comic kind of growing up a little bit and uh, bringing that into the foreground. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's. I. I feel like this is probably going to be one of the most uh, impactful parts of the comic for me for a while going forward, because it, it's it's very emotional in a way the comic is not, yeah. typically. Um, it's it's uh, it's funny to me uh, how I, I have been uh, kind of trying to avoid reading the Husty Notes until we have like a specific question about things, because I think that, you know, reading the author's intention on a lot of, on a lot of stuff can be like... You know, maybe it'll ru- not it'll ruin things, but like it, it's maybe bringing something that we don't need. Yeah. Um, but I, I I went to them on this one because I was curious to see what his intentions, what if he had anything more to elaborate on what he thought of this, and it's very nonchalant. Um, and I think that maybe this was just some kind of beautiful accident. Um, I think that makes it uh a uh, special, I guess. True. I um, I am nodding. <laughs> I'm like choking up, so I'm going to right, push we, us forward a little we, yeah, bit. Yeah, we need to we need to move on. We we need to get to this the, is, the it's day. It's too bit. hard. It's too hard. <laughs> no, no more um, sad stuck. That's that's our sad stuck for the most oh, it's part. It's too good to call sad stuck. I think. <laughs> um. All right. Turn the. All right. Turn the page. All right. Um. All right. Now, okay. So Dave is kind of D- Dave is also being harassed by a multitude of trolls. Um. Two of our favorites, in fact. Uh. Gamzee and Equius have both elected to chime in Man. Uh, at this point in time. So I'm about to sober up real fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the <laughs> okay, the Gamzee pester log. <laughs> um, insane clown posse. Um, all right, all right. Uh, Dave finds Gamzee incredibly funny, which is very in character for Dave, and I, I love that detail that he immediately, his, his first response uh, is, that's right, you're the best troll, I remember now. Yeah, and <laughs> um, uh, specifically with that line, uh, Dave is referencing a pester log that we have not seen, because he yeah. he says it happened month, months ago, which would be before the game, and I don't think Dave and Gamzee have spoken at this point yet. From what we've uh, seen, I I went I went to the wiki and there was like nothing before this, this. color combination does not I, I do not well we never heard from Gamzee before Act Five did we I don't think we, we did. didn't we did not hear from Gamzee before Act Five yeah so. so this is the first time that we as readers have ever seen the two of them uh, converse so so yeah Dave is referencing something that has not yet happened from our pers- or from our, from either our or Gamzee's perspective. 
Um, at least we think so. Uh, and the, the conversation kind of implies that. Um, Dave has a memory uh, of Gamzee freaking out and having a crisis of faith due to some YouTube video he sent him. Um, and because Gamzee does not recognize this at this point in time, Dave elects that this is the, this is the time to send him the Insane Clown Posse Miracles music video um, to spur this on. Um, I, just to go on a bit of a side tangent here for a second, listen, uh, listeners may be confused. If, if you weren't reading the comic, uh, when it was coming out, um, or even if you weren't on the internet for, in the years preceding this coming out, um, the Insane Clown Posse Miracles music video was a really, really big meme, uh, for a while. So good. <laughs> um, the, specifically... Uh, fucking magnets. How do they work? That is that was a yeah. giant meme for a really long time. By really long time, I mean like a couple months yeah. in 2010. But it was huge. Um, you have to understand that like back in the day, we had like we didn't have a meme for like a day and a half like we do now. We had like we got like one new meme every like maybe four months, and we were happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So for four months, uh, all the image macros were. Uh, based on the insane clown posse miracles music video, I just want to go back. Um, I-, I watched it again in full uh, while doing the reading because I hadn't done it in a really really long time. Same. I forgot. I forgot how great it is. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, what do you think of the insane clown posse miracles music video? I think it's it's so hard to put into words because. My instinct reaction is to call it bad, but I can't call it bad because I don't I think it's bad. <laughs> I sympathize with this a lot. Um, it's very dumb, um, and it's very uh, dorky. Yes. Um, but I have to. I can't really put it down too much because, like, it's the CGI is really funny. It's like corny in a way that. Uh, even when it came out, it looked funny. Um, and it's aged in, like, a very funny way. Um, but it, it, at the core of it, the song is just kind of about, you know, appreciating the world around you and how, you know, everything every, everything you come into contact with every day is a miracle just by virtue of existing. And, you know, that's too positive a message for me to really get too down on ICP for this one. Yeah. Um... It's, I don't know. I would recommend that if you didn't watch it, if you opened it and you saw, oh, it's that, and you closed it, I would recommend going back and giving it a watch, because it definitely brightened my day when I watched it. The the shot of, like, pillars inside of pillars, like, going up into the sky, and they're, like, on top of it, is, like, in, look at, it's embedded <laughs> in my mind. It's so good. Big, big ups to Shaggy 2 Dope, Violent J. Uh, also kind of, um, it's also funny to me how, uh, it, it, within the, the past year or so, ICP has kind of ran into the public spotlight of being brave Antifa allies. It's uh, so good. Big shout out. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. Uh, unironically, it's awesome. They're so good, I think they should be presidents. Oh, that's a reference. That is saying. a reference! Put a pin in that! <laughs> Put a pin in the concept of Shaggy 2 Dope and Violent J being president. 
Um, but yeah, uh, I guess anchoring ourselves back in the comic a little bit. Gamzee does not have nearly as positive reaction to the music video as we do. Um, he kind of flips the fuck out a little bit. Um, I, it, I, I, I very much like the fact that like the sound icon is on these couple of pages, meaning you're supposed to be listening to the song while you're looking at these pages. Yeah, I love that. I love that detail as well. But also just watch the video. Yeah. Um, I guess interesting detail is that, uh, I actually didn't make note of this, is that on the one panel he's freaking out, he has like the, the he has like spades in his eyes, and I don't know what that's supposed to be directed at. 2822, uh, yeah. for reference. Um, um, is, it, is it Dave? Is it is it ICP themselves? I'm not sure. But man, I'm, breaking out the, I'm, I'm scrolling down, I'm looking at the Husty notes. Um, oh my god, there's so much text here. <laughs> I'm gonna just say that we can we can leave this for later. Um, I'm not reading all that. Um, there's there's the hero mode panel. Um, this is a little bit of what I like to call like self indulgent cringe, uh, or self referential cringe. Um. For anybody who doesn't know, hero mode was a, another kind of colloquial uh, term to refer to how to art styles, uh, specifically to refer to when characters got like rendered full body instead of just being a little sprite. Um, this w obviously took off a lot more around Act Four and Act Five. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it like just takes a it, it takes a panel here to like do this like flashing text thing. Is like so absurd. Yeah. Um. It's <laughs> uh, it's it, it, it's like in the context of the story, it's it's a turning point that has not made itself um evident yet. Yeah, it's it's so funny to me that this just happens, and then the the narrative just kind of brushes it off as if this sequence is not like one of the most important things to happen in Homestuck. Yeah, this is Gamzee's breaking point, essentially. Um, but we're not going to see the ramifications of Dave sending him an ICP video because he thinks it's funny for a long time. Or at least uh, throughout the rest of this episode. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, but it's there. Yeah. Um, strange. Put a pin in also, that. Also, the, the text on the page saying this is completely pointless just being a lie. <laughs> You'll love to see it. <laughs> Thanks, Ozzy. <laughs> but yeah, um, here to save us from spending any more time with Gamzy, uh, here comes along Equius, making a bad situation worse. <laughs> um, I, I wrote down in my notes. Um, I'm gonna read the the whole all of my notes here. Um, to sum up. These few, these few pages, uh, I have three lines. Answers Equius. I really do not have the facilities to process the Equius rap battle. Sorry. <laughs> and then Dave breaks a sword in the temple, uh, uh arousing Equius, uh, wipes himself with Con Air poster. Do you, do you have anything to elaborate more? I, I want to further elaborate on how fucking agonizing Equius's rap is. <laughs> It's so bad. I, I, the, okay. 
I'm sorry to Alex. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a video that gets passed around on Twitter every so often that's of a British person rapping, and it sounds like the corniest fucking shit. I was reading Equius's rap to the goddamn beat of that, <laughs> and it made it so much worse for me. But I just had to stick with it because I I couldn't think of anything else to like read it to. You're right, though. You're right. Oh, it makes sense. It all makes sense. Equus is British. <laughs> it all makes sense now. It's all come oh together on a Tuesday. Oh my god. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, okay. Yeah, I. Those are all my notes, unironically, but I, I do want to just take a second, because it's so bad. Um, it, Dave, uh, it, I would love to see characters accurately call out Equius for being a fucking weirdo. Um, and Dave uh, enters the ranks of those who do. Um, specifically when, <laughs> when Equius's rap, like breaks into like just him talking about how much he loves horse porn <laughs> like like somebody stop this guy what the fuck um yeah yeah i lied again i don't have the energy for this um i i i, I want to shout out um equius <laughs> fuck really? you for rhyming redact this with impact this. <laughs> stop stop reading it. It's, it's it's going to cause damage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I kind of I kind of hate that this is like I unironically kind of hate that this is kind of was overlaid with um Dave finding the sword and having to break it. Um because the broken sword thing is, like, an actual interesting bit of symbolism with Dave's arc, I think. Yeah. Uh. There, there's... This, um... Where is it? Where is it? Um... Fucking... Yeah, okay, it, it'll come up with it in the Dave's break conversation in a minute. Um... So, yeah, Dave, uh, breaks off the there's a sword and a stone in this temple that he's here exploring and because he can't pull it out on the normal means he he has to break it off um and this is where he first acquires the the half of the broken sword i can't pronounce um that later becomes the sword that future dave that doom dave uh gave to him um he, dave uh after we're done with the Equus conversation, um, he enters Terezi, um, who greets him with probably the best comic uh, that comes of all these conversations. Yeah. Um. It, yes. It's. <laughs> I. I always. I always manage to forget that uh, that the Terezi comics are real. Um. And the. The one that's labeled Dave X Dave is just the the best one by a by a fucking mile. Um, it's it's the one of of Dave Sprite uh caressing lovingly caressing Dave as he sleeps and saying Sh only dreams now. I, I I adore it. It's really good. It is very funny. Um, the 
they they kind of discuss this present situation, um, and Dave kind of very bluntly uh, raises the 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 question of the love triangle, and this is the point where the comic is taking it really seriously as a plot device, and so I think that we should too. Um, I, we have no choice in the matter, rather. Yeah. Um, but Terezi does raise actually what I think is a really uh neat comparison between Dave and Carcat. Uh in terms of how they, the, the two knights, as it were, and how they interact with their, with themselves through time. Um, in that Carcat is constantly caught up in argumentation and hatred for his past and future selves, which is a really on, really on the nose in terms of story, in terms of character development, um, but also leads to him leads him kind of being stuck in the as him stuck without progressing forever yeah because he's always trapped in the cycle of arguing with himself and uh it, literally bemoaning the past um and then through necessity not learning from it and having to keep going back and yelling at his past self um whereas Dave has the opposite problem where he is constantly being bailed out of situations by his future self, like, physically. Um, which never leaves him room to become the hero that he's apparently fated to be, because he's always busy bailing himself out, literally. Yeah. Which I think is a really, very, very cool way of, uh, uh, showing this kind of internal conflict. Um... The the Carcat one is is also cool, but it's a little bit it, it's a little bit too literal for me, I think. Um, but I never really thought about the the Dave thing in in these terms until it was spelled out to me, and I also I that's a neat way of sh getting a character who's not only uh conflicted developmentally, um, but also it, just showing that thematically. Yeah. Um. And it, 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 and it, they're just kind of tied together by this question of, like, when do they become the person who's better than them in the future? Um, Therese just points this out in very obvious terms uh, that, that make me question my, my, my critical reading skills that I had to have it spoon-fed to me. <laughs> um... But we get, we can put a pin in this and, and analyze it through analyze them through the lens of this later on, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, Dave is Dave about it. Um, and is very uh, kind of keeps Terezi at arm's length here about it. Um, he says, uh, I don't I don't give a shit about being a hero. Like I'm not seeing the problem, which. It, you know, he's saying that, um, but it's, it's Dave, so I, I don't, I question how much he means it, we'll say. <laughs> um, and especially given that he's, uh, he's expressed before that he doesn't like living in the shadow of bro, and it, it, it just makes too much sense for it, him to be literally not only living in bro's shadow, but his own shadow. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um... What else? Uh, there's the 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 question of Dave's uh uh sunglasses and how he never takes them off is also raised. Um, they, they, it's 
there, there's a very literal... Dave keeps a very uh, literal barrier between him and Terezi, and there's, like... Like with Carcat and his blood, um, Dave wants to shield some aspect of his physicality from Terezi. Um, so there's more parallels. Um, but this is another... Uh, oh, the, the sunglasses are a symbol for the, the mask that Dave wears to... You you get it. Yeah. Basic basic character writing 101. Um, Yeah. But yeah. Basically, these pastor logs are a a manifesto for how Dave Cat can win. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how Dave Cat can still win. Um... I feel like we've got a lo- we've got a bit of a ways before we can really start discussing that though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. The Dave and Carcat are exist as foils to one another uh, currently. So I guess keep an eye on their character arcs and how they progress. We'll say that. Um, Dave uh, summons Dave Sprite um, to. Uh, guard him, um, because apparently he's shortly about to fall asleep, uh, and all of the monsters in the temple are not too happy about him breaking and stealing half of the sword. Um, Dave and Dave Sprite kind of joke around, do some Dave dialogue back and forth, it's pretty good. Um, the, Dave Sprite mentions, uh, when they talk about the, um, his denizen, um, and he Dave mentions the forge, um, which is something that was mentioned before, uh, with the troll session with the big volcano on Kanaya's planet. Yeah. Um, and Dave also names the volcano the volcano, uh, by Jade's house as their forge. So, space players. I don't know. Something something's going on there. Um, there's the. I think the more the most interesting th- this is what I want to get into with like the broken sword thing yeah. because this is another really interesting part of Dave's sim- Dave's symbolism and Dave's arc that I am a fan of. Yeah. I um, I I wanted to bring it up uh when we were talking about Terezi but I figured it'd be best to wait for this part since it is Dave's right that talks about it. But yeah. um the whole the whole thing about uh Dave not really caring about being a hero and him being destined to be this hero uh swords are are very much most of the time associated with hero figures and uh the heroes have swords yeah heroes have swords uh and the symbolism and the requirement for him to retrieve the sword to have to break it in half and for dave only being able to wield half swords it it really plays into this whole Dave needs to be a hero, but he's he's pretty much going to be half the hero he'll ever be if he continues to like not care about it. Yeah, Dave Sprite spelt Dave Sprite says, um, you know, the the sword had there it's some some kind of personal myth personal mythological milestone you have, you were supposed to clear. Um, you know, it, he says if John were to waltz in and with his uh, pure heart. Uh, as he puts it, and try to pull it out, it would have maybe it would have come out with ease. Um, but they had to they had to cheat it. 
Yeah. Um. Yeah. It. it the, there's the yeah the the broken sword. Um, and how the 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 only way that Dave's swords ever are restored to their uh full the the full blade is through time travel and basically cheating it out. Um, and ties in with how Dave himself is constantly being cheated out. Is is basically cheating the game by using his time powers, or not? It not the game, but kind of his own growth. Yeah. The game has set out this path for him to grow, and he is circumventing it and refusing to go through the arc that is set out for him by the game, which is it, very characteristic for Dave. Yeah. Um. Uh, I like that the, 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 um, yeah, this goes into what we were talking about before with Rose and Jaspers, but this is the, the, the personal growth aspects of the game and what it wants to be are, what, what it is to the players, uh, is really just becoming very clear here. Um, and I like that this is what, I like that that's moving into it. Yeah. Um, I guess. Um, and, uh, more parallels with that whole sequence is that Dave uh, also releases Dave's sprite, gives him his own amulet, um, and says, "Hey, after I wake up, and after I wake up, and you don't have to cover my ass, fall, uh, falling asleep, you go ahead, uh, go ahead." Um, yeah. Well, more Dave sprite kind of Dave sprite declares that for himself uh, well wow okay i i i spoke wrong um and in doing so i actually illustrate i i think i brought forth a, a a very clear-cut illustration of what we're talking about with the broken sword um where dave sprite uh is the one who chooses to release himself yeah um and i i do think like even it, it really plays even more into that symbolism with the fact that dave sprite dave sprite even though it was the the crow that was originally impaled with the sword, Dave Sprite is impaled with a full sword and not a half sword. Yes. Although did the crow was uh did the sword break before it no. hit the crow? I forget. Uh the the crow was impaled by a whole sword and then okay. prototyped. I was gonna say if it was the other if if that was not the case, then it would be very uh on the nose. Yeah. Um, or very that would be more not on the nose, but um that'd be more uh more so, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, yeah, this is, um, Dave Sprite is kind of doing the growth for Dave, and that Rose letting Jasper's go was a is a big milestone in her growth, and whereas Dave, Dave, Dave Sprite just does it for him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. And. I, I, <laughs> I feel bad, um, because Dave Sprite is also, like, a real character, like, we talked uh, at length in Act 4 about how Dave Sprite is a very real character in his own right, um, and I kind of feel bad about talking about it in these terms, but it, this is, the, Dave Sprite is a, Dave, is a much wiser and more mature Dave than the, than the red text one at this point. Yeah. Um, and being just, again, literally his future self bailing him out, uh, from doing character development. But yeah, um, Dave Sprite says that, you know, after after he's done, he's going to go maybe try to track down Bro. 
um, and just, you know, see what's going on. But yeah, um, Dave, I... I I have I, I feel like my Dave bias grows every every time we have a Dave heavy reading. Um I think he's a really good character. Yeah. Uh <laughs> from from what I remember, especially in the, the later parts of Homestuck, Dave is probably the most well written and has the most fulfilled character arc throughout the comic. So it's something mm-hmm. to look forward to. Cause Dave Dave's a really fun character to watch grow. Mm-hmm. What about Riska? <laughs> we'll right, we'll right, talk right. about that. We'll <laughs> we'll have a whole episode yeah, about that. Yeah, bitterly, bitterly to talk about Riska's arc. Um, yeah. Speaking, yeah speaking of Riska, <laughs> speaking of Riska, uh, she KOs him. Uh, Dave is now sleeping like a baby. Um, I I. I'm going to interpret this as Vriska trying to get Dave killed because this is part of her dumb contest with Terezi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it will not prove successful because Dave Sprite uh, is... Dave, Dave Sprite is here to defend. Uh, Kaka motherfuckers is an iconic line. Really good. Great line. <laughs> um, yeah. So, we... we we take our leave from Dave, um, as it were, uh, and we we go over to Jack, um, who is who is who has returned to the site of his fight with Bro. I was this the last place that we saw Jack in Descend or yeah, no? We was it? Yeah. Uh, last we saw Jack, he was fighting Bro on on this record in Descend, and then uh, Bro fled the scene. After Wait, it, no, that's not right. Because C- after Descend, um, Jack runs into into John on the battlefield. Does he? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's in the... I guess he did return. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He returns to the scene. Yeah. Uh, Bro impaled the sword on, on this giant disc. Uh, there it's was... a record of some sort. Yeah. And there is some sort of energy coming out of, out of this 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 record construct yeah um it 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 enwreathes uh bro's sword which is left at the scene of the crime and when jack touches it it it, it it's it, it looks as though he is empowered in some way um or uh, some there's some some something of significance has occurred here yeah um Jack uh takes the Jack uh, takes the sword from the from the record and flies away with it uh leaving us on leaving a very um I guess iconic shot of the the record from the like from straight above with the 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 scratches that were visible on it yeah um very cool panel um and we're gonna Jade wake up. Really, um, a really great flash. Really, <laughs> I feel really bad. I I feel both very bad and very good for anybody who only has read this in book form. Uh, all five of them who are out there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cause this is a this is a literal nightmare of a flash. Um, it's so fucked up. <laughs> I 
this flash scared me when I was a kid and I, I was reading the comic. Um, and it freaks me out. It freaked me out a little bit because I'd forgotten about it. I, I'd like repressed the memory of it. Um, the, <laughs> I guess this, not a lot happens in it, but I guess to summarize, um, the, the, the flash is titled Jade Wake Up. Um, it, it, it starts out with Jade having this very, uh, pleasant of little bit, uh, eerie squiddles themed dream. Um, she's, she's hopping around in her bed and she's playing with the squiddles. Um, the camera zooms out, um, uh, in the audio kind of fades and we see that she's in a little bubble, uh, out in the sky, um, that, uh, Dave looks up from Durst and I don't know if he sees it, but it's, it, it implies a relation spatially. Um, Dave, Dave observes it from Durst. Um... It go, we go back to to Jade's wacky dream. She's floating around on a unit on a narwhal, and she's got and Fafari is there uh, for some reason uh, on a, on a on a pony. Um, and the dream kind of collapses into this nightmare uh, where the the audio fades out and it turns just plays with this creepypasta heartbeat. Um, there's the it turns very dark there's images of uh tentacle monsters the horror terrors flying towards the screen it goes on for just way too long it's it gets louder and louder it gets way too loud um it, and jade abruptly wakes up and she's very upset by this whole ordeal man evil flash very evil the shot of like her asleep in bed towards the end, but the bed is like floating over a giant horror terror. It's so yeah. fucked up. It's so it's it's very. I don't like the imagery of it. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's. It, poor Jade. Um. We haven't heard. We haven't properly heard from Jade in so long, and she comes back. It's such a bad time, and I feel so bad about it. Um. I guess strictly this this is. Technically, this is this actually is very relevant uh, because this is the first glint, glimpse we've gotten at what it's like to fall asleep in the medium without a dream self, um, and it's not pleasant. There, there's a reason why Carcat banned everyone from sleeping. Yes, uh, this evidently has gotten to Carcat as well. Um, it's all kind of explained to us in very plain terms. Uh, a couple panels later, um, Jade wakes up and is immediately pestered by Fafari, um, who's, who's really excited to have shared this dream with her. Um, Jade less so. Uh, Fafari kind of fills... J Jade is really annoyed. Um, this is a much... Uh, we've not really seen pissed off Jade yet, um, and she's really not in a great mood here. So this is a new angle on this character. Um, Reminder that these characters have emotions and can act differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fairy kind of fills Jade on a bunch of stuff we already knew. Um, and uh, gives us our first formal introduction to the concept of the dream bubbles. Um, being where dreams take place uh, after the after your dream self dies. Um. Forgive me if this is touched upon, but 
Does does it mention what happens if you if your if your first self dies but your dream self is alive? Um. Uh, and what happens if you go to sleep then? I don't. I don't think it mentions what happens then, but I I would assume the same thing happens. Hmm. I don't. Know. I guess we can assume that. Uh. Yeah. Uh, also, now that we have this actual formal thing, um, I, I I feel like we raised last time that there was some uh, interaction where Vriska was just not very off-put by the, the whole dream thing, or am I thinking of a different thing? Um, so I, think I'm, I think I might be thinking of a different thing. You might be thinking of a different thing. I probably am. Uh, but, yeah, this... Yeah. It's there. Um, yeah, Feferi shows up, does some exposition, uh, drops her quirk again, which is good because I, 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 I don't think I'm alone in saying that Feferi's quirk is one of the least fun for me to read. Yeah. Um, My brain reacts badly to it. It is difficult to get through. Um, but yeah, Feferi kind of shows up, does some exposition, and, and leaves. Um, yeah. Uh, leaving Jade, unfortunately, to deal with Carcat. Um, <laughs> I feel so bad for Jade. Why? The, the, I feel like just the worst of Carcat comes out here, and it's so upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she does not deserve to deal with this guy. Yeah. Um, she, she messages Carcat, but the Carcat who receives it, is a car cat before he said to message her when her robot blows up? Yeah. And 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 it leads us into this very fucked up scenario where Jade has to deal with two car cats at two different points in time. And it's so bad. It's so embarrassing. I... Car cat keeps fucking embarrassing himself in in these fucking memos. At the top of my notes of the page of the with the memo, I just wrote "cringe cat is back." <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is this is the same car cat who embarrassed himself in the in the John and Dave memo. This is a tour de force of cringe. Um, he's just he's such a cunt. What's wrong with him? Um. He, like, makes fun of Jade, uh, he mocks her, um, he does his whole fucking ego trip, I am your god, this is your god speaking, um, I hate, I, I hate this, um, future, future Carcat come, when future Carcat finally, because the reason he opens the memo is because this, he wants to get in contact with the Carcat that knows <laughs> what he meant by when your robot explodes talk to me um but future carcat just comes in and makes it worse um jade is so much less equipped to deal with carcat than john or dave are yeah and the the future carcat that chimes in is specifically a future carcat that has already spoken to jade so yes even he is ultimately useless in this scenario so this this whole memo just ends up being even more fucked up yeah, and him already having talked to Jade makes it worse because um, there's an instance where uh, he's like, "I would I would apologize for my behavior here, but we've already talked, and so I won't have to do it again." And 
that's just such a like an inconsiderate move. Like you like yeah. you haven't apologized yet from her perspective. Stop being an asshole. It sucks. Jade um, Jade really goes off on him in response, and it's really good. Yeah. Um to which point he starts like like he he starts exhibiting behavior that she describes as sycophantic, which is not inaccurate. Um at which point he accuses himself of having red feelings for her, which is just like, stay away from her, what the fuck? Um I uh, there's so much here it, oh my god. Jade accurately makes a call out that I think that uh Karkat needs to hear, which is that like Listen, I know that you're. That this is technically you and your future self, but you're three hours apart. You're the same person, and this just goes perfectly in line with what we've been saying about um, Carcat feeling to to grow because he's constantly belabored by his past and future selves. Yeah. He's, like he's he's just brushing everything bad he does off here on his past self being an asshole, basically, and that's just not a. It's as Jade correctly identifies, it's just not a valid excuse. Um, uh, she goes off on him, um, as we said, it's, it's good, she, she deserves to stand up for herself a little bit, um, the, <sighs> Karkat makes a, a weird comment about, um, how, uh, he really likes this version of her, and future jade whatever that's supposed to mean and how past J past jade before this point was uh, uh was boring um and given the the amount of signs that are pointing to something very bad happening very soon is a little bit uh sinister yeah um there's there's just a bunch of back and forth um jade having learned absolutely nothing from this uh rage quits um, and leaves justifiably. At which point, uh, the Carcat and three hours from now, Carcat start yelling at each other about uh, develop about develop get catching feelings. Um, and it's just so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh. Agony. <laughs> Absolute pain. I, I I don't know what much to say about it. So, uh, I'm going to take your prolonged silences into care that we should just... We, we gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. I really enjoy that your line for whenever we, we get stuck on something that we don't want to be stuck in is we just gotta get out of here. Cause it, it's always exactly how I feel. <laughs> um... So, Jade signs off, uh, she, she cannot remind, she cannot remember what any of the reminders on her hands mean, because this is still a plot device from three act, from two acts ago, um, but, but for one, uh, which reminds her, oh, John is alive, um, gotta, gotta check on, gotta check in on him, um, she sees that, uh, there, there are game contracts moving around uh, in the skies by her tower. Um, so, uh, good things are happening. The game is happening. We're, it's just like we're in Act 1, guys. It's great! Woo! <laughs> I, um, um, 
I, I just want to say, as, as we go into this bit where Jade and John start talking again, it is such a it's such a weird shift. Like we've had all this build up over the over the past few episodes since uh, Act Five, Act Two started, and there's been like all these implications of like something going wrong, and then it it shifts into this. Hey guys, remember remember this. Re- yeah. R- remember all this? <laughs> yeah. I-, I made a comment in my notes to the same effect of that, like, these next bunch of pages uh, between uh, Jade and John are very um, reminiscent of, like, Act 1 and Act 2 interactions. They're very uh, cheerful and very just oblivious of everything else that's going on in the comic at this point. And... In a vacuum, they're very evocative of Act 1 and Act 2, um, and I think in any other circumstance, any other point early in the comic, I would my main thing would have brought to this would be, I love it when these two kids are nice to each other, but in the cause of everything else that's happening and that we know that we're about to reach the point on the in the kids' timeline where everything goes drastically wrong, they just further amplify my anxiety, and they're just so well-placed in that regard. It's, I think. it's, it's very much the calm before the storm. It, it yes, it's it's it, it's it, yes, it rocks. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this the placement of these. Um, yeah, there's like this yeah. So there's this montage of like, uh, kind of gamey stuff. Um, the the comic is really edging us with the the kernel sprite. I gotta say, um, because as soon as uh, that gets popped out, um, I I start getting nervous. Uh, cause. There, there's just all this stuff in the room surrounding it that could fall into it. Uh, John, at one point, uh, he drags the the big Typhius minion into the room and drops it and just shakes everything up and something almost fall. Grandpa almost falls into it, and it's like it, it. The comic knows what it's what's going to happen, and I know what's going to happen, and it's just, ugh. Yeah. Um. <laughs> where are we? Uh, let's see. Um. There, there's one line said by John. 2868. Yes. <laughs> I was just gonna say we can we can kind of gloss over the 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 weird gender comment. Yeah. The, the <laughs> this this whole pesser log is basically just just John and Jade being like, hey, it's been a bit, and they're kind of catching up, but John makes this gender comment. That sticks out this, this so frustratingly fucking naive. This frustratingly naive comment. Um, well, if she grew up as a girl, then it's not right for me to suddenly make her a boy. It's in 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 reference to the to the bunny. Yeah, um, it's it. it <laughs> I it's, it's so hard it? to put into words. There 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 has been a trend that has been set up by the comic of changing the name and gender of of animals and the, f- the fact that john says this especially it's knowing so funny especially knowing like J- june egbert it's it's such a naive and <laughs> and really out of place now comment even in the con- even in the context of just this comic it's it it uh homestead could have ended at uh, the Act Seven Flash, and this would still feel out of place and weird. Yeah, I, 
just as a product of reading it in 2020, um, it, it, it's just a weird little comment, um, that, uh, I don't, I don't think it was intent, I don't, I, I, I don't think it was intended to be transphobic, I just want to make that clear, but it's just so weird. Yeah, I, it's, it's very much supposed to be a thing that, like, paints John as, like, really, really naive. Yeah. And it does um, a really good job at it, because Jesus Christ... <laughs> the dramatic irony has intensified, I guess. Um, I said let's gloss over it, and then we failed to do that. Yeah, um, it happens. But <laughs> whatever, whatever. Any, even even if we are not um completely beholden to everything that happens uh post canon, uh the the knowledge of it still haunts our reading of it. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it forces us to to grapple with any anything that seems out of place due to it. I get or it, it, is that it whatever. I'm I'm struggling to get my words out. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a weird thing to deal with. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. The the point obviously here is to paint John as like this very naive character, and the other half of the pester log is him. Um saying that he will he will now he will rename the Tyler that he will rename the English he'll rename the bunny Liv Tyler like from Armageddon um which is also fantastic just John is this uh, uh, <laughs> hilariously naive uh, little nerd with funny movie crushes it's great um it it is it is truly great um but yeah they the the kind of more things go on jade has been asleep for an act and a half and so she's be filled in on what's been happening um so more of that kind of happens um we uh, in we cut back to jack for a little bit yeah uh things are happening with jack um jack jack is on john's planet now which is where bro is and Jack seems to want a rematch. He yes. He very much was not pleased with how the last fight ended because he took the sword specifically so he can give it back to Bro. Yeah. Which is kind of badass. He wants, an, he wants an anime villain rematch, and it's kind of tight. Um, I the 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 throwing the sword back to him to get to have a proper fight is just such a stupid trope that I unabashedly adore it's good <laughs> it, it kicks ass um yeah kind of amplifying our feeling of uh impending doom here is that as these funny game events are going on um and they're going through the motions of act one again uh they're th- our our strongest villain in the kids session is a, is challenging bro to a duel um it's very very good juxtaposition to kind of enhance the effect of these game pages. Yeah. And then, and then when we do jump back to, uh, John and Jade, uh, when the Colonel's out, we have a number change and it's a pretty big number change. Uh, we get our first 1025, I think, I think it's our first one. It is the first one. Okay. 1025, uh, is going to be our number going forward. Uh, 413 will still be there, and 612 will still be there, but 1025 is the sum of those, those first two numbers. Uh, you know what? I, is really, really embarrassing. You didn't know that? I never realized that. Uh, 
the the main theory of why it's the sum of those two numbers is that it's supposed to represent the intertwining of the two sessions. Which, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy. Which makes sense, but uh, it's it's another Homestuck number. There there are four notable Homestuck numbers, and this is our third one, and it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna stick around for a while. <laughs> stay tuned. I guess. Very much stay tuned. This number has g- gigantic fucking implications for the rest of Act Five, Act Two. Uh, yeah. Um, but in yeah, also in the very immediate spirit that the. the we have a 10 minute, 25 second countdown, um, right now, which will be, which, yeah, in, in, that's relevant also right now. Yes. So yeah, there's our third Homestuck number. Um, the, <laughs> it's just making me, the, the, the agonizing about prototyping is making me so anxious. Like, just get it, just get it over with. <laughs> I'm in pain. Yeah. And, uh, it's been said before that the 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 colonel is kind of drawn to things that are dead, and it it doesn't help that it's in a room that's full of dead things. It's so like ugh. I hate it. It makes me so mad. Um, <laughs> I, I, let's see. Uh, Bro and Jack showdown uh, continues to be illustrated uh, through intermittent panels. Um, Jack uh, appears to recognize Cal, um, which I had to go and double check and make sure that in their prior fight, uh, Bro did not have Cal. Bro did not have Cal um, in Descend when they initially face each other. Um, so Jack uh, seems to have some recognition of Cal uh, that we don't have context for, unless I'm forgetting something. I, I don't think you're forgetting anything, but Jesus Christ put a pin in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's there. Um, Jack's uh, uh, dis- fascination with the cowl puppet uh, is cut short by Dave Sprite uh, flying in. Uh, he's caught up to bro, um, and the, the Strider family's about to, about to kick some major ass, and it's cool. Um, Dave Sprite's getting his moment. Um, we go back again to, uh, to, to Jade and John, and they're fucking around. Um, the, this is kind of where I first, in, in my notes is where I initially put, like, th- these are so, these are made so much more eerie by the placement of them in the story. Yeah. Um, uh... Uh, as as this Bill Cosby reference, but uh, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna actually gl- gloss over that one. Um, we we do get like our first like in universe acknowledgement of the connection between denizen names and browsers. Yeah, which I which is not really as far as I can remember is like barely ever touched on again after this. Like outside of this, like this is yeah, it, it's a very loose connection like it's there it exists it continues to exist and new iterations of it continue to happen but there's no like reason given <laughs> um yeah uh I, I read the husty notes whenever there's a bill cosby reference because it's funny to watch him dance around it or uh or just acknowledge it um and th- he does point out uh on on this page that the whole browser war conversation that the two of them have is a very 
is is another bit of a relic of a bygone age. Yeah. Um, in Homestuck. Remember Browser Wars? Shout out Team Opera. If you were Team oh. Opera, you're based. <laughs> um, and now the only thing that exists is Firefox or in Chrome. Um, and if you're you're a weirdo, if you use Firefox. Uh. Hey man, Microsoft Edge exists. Come on. Yeah. Microsoft Edge exists and it's shitty, but man, it is still a hundred times better than Internet Explorer ever was. Yeah. Kids, if you're too young to remember Internet Explorer, consider yourself lucky. Um, <laughs> what a piece of shit browser. <laughs> um, you would. I wonder sometimes, like, Chrome and Firefox were uh, all of the com- competing web browsers uh, demonstrated some level of competency in their in how they in working. Internet Explorer just didn't, and I just wonder sometimes, like, how did they fuck that up? It happens. Like, I'm, there, there are open source alternatives. Microsoft could have just looked at the repositories and been like, hey, that's how you make your browser work. And instead, they made Internet Explorer for years, and it was always shit. I don't know. The, uh, Internet Explorer tangent, whatever. Um, fucking come on. Uh, where were we? Um... Jin John, uh, Rouse, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, John throws the Typhius minion into the Room of Dead things, which is the most, it's, uh, it's so much, like, it, it, like I said before, it's, like, just teasing us with, like, oh, look at all these things that could fly into the kernel sprite. I, I wish that I could go back to a point where I did not know what ends up in the kernel sprite, because there's so much tension right now. I... <laughs> It, it's it's still tense. I mean, it's uh, still tense, but it would be like way more amplified if I didn't know already. Yeah, um, I would love to be living in a timeline where we could speculate in earnest that the weird mummy with the pirate hat uh, <laughs> landed up in the Colonel Sprite. Um, but yeah, um, in the, in the midst of all this, um, I don't really think anything. They just kind of tease us more with Colonel Sprite. Prototyping talk. Um, they they yeah they entertain the idea of prototyping Grandpa, uh, but Jade doesn't think she could handle fighting a bunch of enemies that look like Grandpa. Um, so yeah, they they don't do that. Everything would be so much easier if they just gone and done that. Um, but alas, um, we go back to uh Jack and the Striders. Jack is being. Nigh, is nigh overwhelmed uh, by the onslaught of uh, Cal and Dave Sprite. Um, and in retaliation uses his Red Miles attack. Um, his his white mechanic. Uh, and sets the oil the oil oceans of the Land of Wind and Shade ablaze. Um, which really doing a number on John's planet I must say. Yeah, and if there wasn't enough tension already, the fact that John is now on a giant fireball, well, <laughs> soon to be giant fireball. Yeah. The sh- the shot on twenty nine hundred, the the seeing the planet like lighting up, very cool. Um, huge fan. Yeah. Um, we cut we we zoom out to Rose observing this through her crystal ball. Um. 
At which point she has a conversation with John. Um, Rose is in an undisclosed location, probably somewhere in her house. Um, but John comes to her with a question about, uh, about prototyping, um, and what to do. Um, and Rose, uh, Rose's answer is, uh, very Rose and also, uh, a, a, it follows up on what we talked about with her maturing because Rose has kind of come into her role as the seer a little bit more here. Um, she says that, uh, she's like the trolls. She now has, she's been cursed with the knowledge of what happens, uh, in the future. Um, and she finds herself in the unique predicament of having a little bit more empathy than the trolls do and also being directly affected by what she sees. Um, yeah, which it's, yeah, there you go. She's coming into her, what being the seer entails for her. Um, she says, I know exactly what you're going to do. Um, but I don't, I, I don't want to say anything that would change that because I've, I, I've been in the, I've been in the splinter timeline experience. I've lived it out. It's not pleasant. Um, and no matter how bad what's going to happen maybe uh it it has to happen and that she can't do anything to try to avoid that um and she warns him the the warning that she gives him is that failing to prototype the colonel sprite is the absolute worst thing that they could do um because should they not do that uh yes. the battlefield will not uh heal and move on to its next form and they will never be able to access the treasure that uh, is so integral to Rose's plans at this point. Um, specifically, she calls out that John will not be able to retrieve it, so we see Rose kind of uh, pulling the strings here a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's a little bit premature to call out that both Vriska and Rose are light players, um, and that this is a bit of a Rose kind of taking the reins and being in, into a more manipulative role. Um, but I figured I would call that out. Um, but yeah, uh, Rose is now, uh, omniscient as it were to the timeline and is burdened with having to handle her other players who are not, uh, who do, do not have that luxury. Um, yes. For we go back to Jade, uh, who is... Struggling with the prototyping, the uh, the entry gear. Um, we don't see what her entry item is, uh, but she's confused by it. Um, attempts she attempts to reach out to Dave for help on it, uh, to elaborate on what it is. Dave is currently unavailable. Um, his glasses have been taken by one of the crocodiles. Yeah. Um, who've apparently uh swept in after Dave Sprite cleared out all of the en enemies. Um, and are now just wreaking havoc on his possessions. Um, we see Dream Dave, uh, visit, uh, Rose, uh, Rose's sleeping dream self on the moon of Durst. Um, Dream Rose appears to be sleeping soundly, uh, with some kind of dark glow, uh, around her. I don't know what that necessarily entails, uh, but it's new. Yes, very ominous. Um... We see Waking Rose uh, switches her view to John, who is inexplicably asleep. Uh, I was really confused at this because uh, last we heard from John, he was 
fine and awake. We never saw him pass out. Um, we usually get treated to getting to see whenever characters fall asleep because it's pretty pivotal. <laughs> um, John wakes up just in time to watch Bill Cosby get sucked <laughs> into hell. It's, it's such a funny shot. <laughs> speaking of speaking of things that have aged very strangely, there's this. The no Bill no line. <laughs> really, no Bill no. Why did? Oh. <laughs> Moving on. Um. We get what may very well be tragically our final Fedora Freak update. Um, yeah, it heartbreaking. It's so fucked up. John uh, checks in. John tries to check in on Jade via uh, pester chum on his dad's PDA. Um, and in a fit of rage, when she doesn't respond, throws it into the oil. Um, and, which, which which may mark finality for our, our for being able to occasionally get glimpses of whatever happening to Fedora Freak. Um, in this possibly final update we can see that uh he is surviving somewhere um making a filtration system to drink his own piss out of a fedora um <laughs> i'm really upset by this um uh i i i really hope that it's not the last time i don't know what i'm gonna do without him um man why did john do that why did he do that uh um thankfully for john at least uh he's still got his goggles uh which he can use to use pester chum um and uh he he consults rose um i i don't know if i missed it before or what but uh the the rose symbol is now illustrated differently um it's white on a black background um yeah which is, you know, symbols are a big part of Homestuck, and symbols do symbolism, and uh, the symbolism here is 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 it, it's there, I guess. Uh, not much else to say about it. Um, let's see. Rose uh, enlightens him that he was knocked out for about ten minutes. Uh, which is a really unfortunate amount of time to have been asleep at this point in time. Um, yeah, considering that uh, when we last checked in on John and Jade, uh, that would be more than like how long was left on the 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 meteor timer. Yes. Uh, frustratingly, things have already happened that we didn't get to see. Um, but Rose. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of substance to this pester log besides, you know, 10 minutes. Um, when John asks if Jade is okay, uh, Rose says she's fine. Um, so, you know, she's, she's, she's fine. She's fine, guys. Um, he, they try to set up a way for him to, to, uh, escape his, his circumstance. Um, he's... He escapes to a, a tiny little, uh, a little bit of ground that is a little bit higher than everything else. This seems like a pretty temporary solution, but uh, it's there. Um, they 
they they talk in more literal terms about uh, J, uh Rose and her role as the seer, um, and Rose point uh pokes at, uh teases at John uh in in his role as the heir. Um. Da, da, da. The, the, this this conversation is a little bit weird um because I don't think we've had like a, a conversation like this up front between the two of them in a long time um and it is very characteristic and it feels very appropriate for how they would be interacting at a, at a like at a time this dire I guess yeah yeah um Rose is being very Rose and John is being very John under under pressure um. Yeah, but Rose uh, leaves it off on tell, saying that the, the treasure that they must retrieve from the battlefield, presumably, is called the tumor. Um, and before before R- Rose can explain, um, uh, John is uh, a say uh, assailed by Carcat, um. This is so okay. So the car cat pester log. Um, unless you have anything to say about the rose one. Uh, not. I don't think there's anything I have to say. Okay. Um, the car cat one uh is similarly short. Well, it's a lot shorter actually. Um, but there, it's it's a little bit weighty. Um, first it's. Carcat's second conversation with John, from his perspective, which, uh, inclines that the, the John that we saw at the very start of Act Five, Act Two, with the funny blue uh, pajamas, um, we're the time it, the times are converging. Yes. Um, we are rapidly approaching whatever is going on there. Um. Which also means we're rapidly approaching the end of the session. Yes. Um. Yeah, because that that was post session. Um, second, um, th- this is this is early Carcat, so he is very uh, egotistical and very he's, he's he's in his I am your god, uh, mode. Um, but John is just begging him to with his a- omnipotent alien god powers to tell him what happened to Jade. Um, and in a massive cock tease for us as readers. Um, he explains such, uh, in the flash that marks the beginning of our next reading. Um, and I can't watch it yet, uh, because I value, I, 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 I take this seriously <laughs> and I want to look at everything with fresh eyes. I hate you. Smiles. <laughs> yeah, um... Here we are at the end of the reading. Here we are at the with, end of the session. With 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 no satisfaction to all the build up that we've gone through across the across these past few episodes. I'm so mad. <laughs> and and I you know I'm I'm sure that whatever the next one ends on it's going to be just more questions. Um hang on, let me let me see. Let me see if it leaves us on more questions. <laughs> How mad is the next one going to make me? I don't know. I just want to talk I just want to get to the next flash. Um I'm sure it's, uh, well, I I can be very sure that it's going to be fucking catastrophic, um, but it's the 
that it, it's fuzzy in my head. The specifics of it elude me. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, we made it through another chunk. Um, we didn't hit two hours like you said we would. Uh, we hit the hundred minute mark, which is like kind of which which is I guess kind of like our two hour point. Doesn't yeah. make any sense, but um. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, uh, an amount of time is exactly equal to a completely different amount of time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like whenever we hit like an hour and forty, that's like when it's a long episode. Yeah. Um. Cause uh, I guess this is uh two in a row. I guess um. Cause we didn't have a lo- we didn't have an episode this long for a minute. Um, I, I forget what the last time we what was we had one, but it was a couple weeks. Um, but I remember being surprised that uh, we hit hour and forty on the last one as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, regardless of how much time we we take up yapping, uh, I thought I don't know. I liked this reading a lot. Um, it yeah. I, I did too. Yeah, it's it's getting like the last one was like the tone was starting to get was starting to inch in a way that was getting darker. Um, but yeah. I think this one really delivered a lot better. Um, with character stuff. Um, getting into the game as a, a literal mechanism for character arcs to happen. Um the Dave stuff, um, Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the, 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 the tone has continued to shift and, uh, we, we've been doing a lot of build up, uh, with what we've been reading and that build up will finally pay off next episode. And because, there have been there have been so many allusions to to something going wrong. When everything in the, goes in, wrong. In, in the, the, and I I can confirm, listeners, the very first thing you're gonna experience next reading is what goes wrong. <laughs> it's it's the ultimate payoff. You you finally get to find out where where it all comes together. Yeah. Um. It. This has been hit, been hinted at since the very first ever appear I, the very first ever appearance of any troll, which was Carcat yeah. back in Act Three, telling saying to Jade, "Oh, is today the day you finally fuck everything up?" Um, it's it's all coming together. Um, and the thing that I know that kind of that is that I, that I know that comes after this is that we're only uh. We're only barely coming up on the three thousand page mark, um, and so there's like a good thousand give or take pages uh, left before Cascade, which is the other yes giant payoff in Act Five, Act Two, um, and so we're gonna get over this road bump, and we're gonna get right back to more setup. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. As for right now, we are about we we are on the cusp of the the worst thing so far that has been hinted at uh, throughout the entire the entirety of of, of the comic post Act Three. Um, and I'm scared. We, we we are quite literally standing 
at the edge of the crater. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's not the Metal Gear bonus episode, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Easter Bunny, there is no Tooth Fairy, and there is no AHP Metal Gear bonus episode. <laughs> But I would love to do one someday without without require replaying MGS4 and MGS5, and I, I just don't know if I'm ever going to have the strength to do that. Yeah. Um. I guess on the... I was thinking earlier, uh, before I get distracted by Bionicle, actually, my main thought um, was... I don't know how familiar you are with... Um, this is a completely out of left, completely unrelated. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with, like, the works of John Boys, um, the espionation guy. Um, he wrote, uh, 17,776, didn't he? Yes, that is exactly what I was going to bring up, because I was thinking about it again today. I mean, I was thinking about how it, as far as, like, multimedia web projects, projects go that feature a bunch of characters that type in different ways with different text colors, it is yeah. the the closest relative to Homestuck that is not explicitly a Homestuck uh fan venture. Um, back back when that back when that first came out, uh the Homestuck fandom was very much obsessed with it because it did come out post Homestuck. Yeah. And they were all looking for something to grab onto as Homestucks do when there's not Homestuck content being given to them. Yeah. And th- I I never finished reading it, unfortunately. I, I I, I want to go back and reread what I did read and then finish it at some point. But there was one character who typed in red and everyone was like, this is literally Dave. Kind of was. Um, which I, uh, John Boyce is like a boomer. Like he's, I don't know if he's, he's probably older than Hussey. Um, so I, I, I really doubt that he has, has any familiarity with Homestuck, or at least did when he wrote the comic. Um, this is just apropos of nothing. I was just thinking about it earlier, and I was thinking, like, I should ask John if they've read that, because it's good. And I was thinking about reading it again sometime, and then if you could re- if you read it, we could talk about it sometime. But I'm not saying that we have to do this anytime soon. Yeah, we could do that at some point. Um, but also got me thinking about how... Uh, even in its wake, um, Homestuck is very uh, unique. In even though it inspired so many uh, derivative works, um, and made such lasting impact on the internet, it's very it still stands alone as kind of like this titan of a multimedia project that uh, is one of the longest written works in the English language. Um, and it, it just weirded me out that this little uh. The, the closest cousin it has um, is probably this weird little uh, cartoon that was made in Google Earth uh, by a sports writer. <laughs> I, I I just opened the 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 website for it. Did he get rid of the like really fucked up auto scroll thing? Maybe maybe because because oh. there's just a chapter select now when you go to it and. It, it immediately goes to, like, the next, like, like the actual, like, start of it. it there, there, there's no fucked up auto-scroll thing. Because I remember the, the the when the link first got passed around on Tumblr, uh, 
it, it, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, it did, like, the Korean jump scare comic thing where it, like, yanked you into it, but it didn't jump scare you. It just kind of, like, it's like, oh, it's the comic. Yeah, because like all the all the font like started like increasing in size, yeah. and, like everything. Yeah, it was it was it was really good, but it was really scary. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess. Uh, listeners, if you haven't checked out uh seventeen thousand seven hundred seventy six uh before, um, go do so. It's a very neat little thing. Um, I also just I remember it making me emotional when it came out. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised because John Boys, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he is a writer for SB Nation, but um, he's the only writer who has ever made me, like, invested in sports reporting. Because um, he has a really good way with words and descriptions. And also video editing. So, look up uh, the Pretty Good series on YouTube. Some really some good gems there. Um, but yeah, the, the comic is a really great little piece of web media that you should go out of your way to experience before the nature of the medium somehow uh, makes it somehow rots it uh, and makes it inexperienceable anymore. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and there are two different like sources in, in the reception category that directly compare it to Homestuck. It, yeah. The, the reason that I bring it up is very, is just is because it has a lot of the same DNA Um, it's yeah, I, I, I recommend it. Um, that that's that that's my completely uh, off the wall tangent, I guess, for today. Um, but I was thinking of it, and I figured I might as well give it a shout out. Um, because it's it's great. Uh, John Boyce is great. Uh, check him out if you haven't. Um, yeah. Um, do you have anything that you want to ramble about unprompted? Um, not really. Damn. Uh. I've ordered McDonald's three times this week, and it's making me question myself. What's your What's your standard order? Okay, they they hiked up the prices. Bullshit. Uh, on DoorDash, I I I ordered through DoorDash, and they they hiked up the prices over the summer, uh, because my my order that I used to get, I remember it it, it would cost twenty one dollars, but now it costs twenty six dollars. And I'm not about that. That's that's five dollars too many. It's too much for McDonald's. Yeah, uh, my my order that I would usually get because because I'm a big person, I eat I I eat a little bit too much. Uh, I I would get the double quarter pounder with cheese meal, mm-hmm. a large a large double quarter pounder with cheese meal, uh, with a coke to drink, and then I would get uh, a ten piece nugget on the side. Mm-hmm. But now. Uh, my order is, I get, are you, are you familiar with the McGangbang? I, I always forget what it actually is, but I'm familiar with the idea. Why uh, do you explain to listeners what a McGangbang is? First of all, horrible name for it. <laughs> I, I, I'm all for the, the concept of having creative names for, like, fake menu items. But that, horrible. Nightmare. Who came up with that? I'll kill you. Um... It's it's when you take a McDouble, you split it in half, and then you take a McChicken, and then you put it in the middle of the two halves, and you just have like a big burger. Yeah. With with a chicken sandwich in the middle of the burger. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have I have my own modification of that, in which I will get the the spicy McChicken 
and the bacon McDouble. <laughs> so I'm, I'll get a little fucking fancy, and, and and then I'll get a large fry and a ten piece nugget. It, it's basically my my substitute for having the 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 double quarter pounder robbed from me by adding an extra five dollars to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can sympathize with getting two. I, I think the two McDonald's sandwiches is a perfectly good amount to get. Um, and the yeah. nuggets on the side is like good. the The issue that I run into it, whenever I eat that much McDonald's is the soda usually, because I am just something about my body just rejects a large soda. Like if I, whenever I drink like a large Coke, I can eat like I can eat until I'm sick and I don't throw up. Um, if yeah. I just drink a large Coke and I don't eat anything, I have to throw up. It's too much sugar for me to process at once. It, it... I like sugar. <laughs> I like lots of sugar. It, it, it like, doesn't affect me. <laughs> like, the, I, I am convinced that, like, sugar making, like, giving people more energy is a complete myth. It's definitely a complete it just, myth. Okay. Thank God. I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a nutritionist, so I don't know. I, it's not a professional opinion, but I, I, I feel like it is just made up. Um, yeah, I, I've never been more energized by any kind of sugary stuff. It, but I love lots of sugar. It makes my teeth hurt, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's besides the fact. That, that's why I try to avoid soda in most circumstances. <laughs> um. I'm I'm scared of I'm scared of tooth problems. I have tooth nightmares. Um, I'm gonna. I ugh. man, I have I have tooth nightmares too. But man, my teeth are fucked up. <laughs> Not in like a cavity way. My teeth are just fucked up because they like grew in weird oh, when cool. I was a kid. All right, I'm I'm gonna say. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, we can keep, <laughs> no, we can keep rambling about about random things that don't matter. We could turn this into not a Homestuck podcast in which we talk about everything except Homestuck. We're going sque- to actually squeeze out to the two-hour mark um, if we keep talking <laughs> about teeth and shit. But I don't I don't know if our followers are really in it to hear us talk about our dental issues. I'm I'm sure there are so many people who have been hanging on this entire time like, Jesus Christ, when are they going to say when the next page is? <laughs> okay. Uh, John, what are the next pages? Uh... We're we're gonna be reading to page three thousand and thirty five. We're gonna we're gonna cross that three thousand page mark. Uh, so that's thirty thirty five, listeners. Uh, lots of lots of content, lots of things to look forward to. Look forward to Homestuck getting more fucked up. Yep. I don't know what else to say. Um, All right. Congratulations to us for well, we congratulate ourselves once we actually make it to three thousand pages. I don't know. One of us could die between now and next time we record. <laughs> so, let, let's... I could order a fourth McDonald's and have a heart attack. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I'm I'm gonna make the executive decision to take it to the close. Uh, just under right. the the two hour mark. Um, listeners, you have been listening to a Homestuck podcast. I am your co-host, Aiden. I'm John. Um, thank you all so much for sticking around. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, shout out to anybody who's listening on uh, iTunes or Spotify. Um, wow. There's no one listening on, on iTunes. I guarantee it. <laughs> Good. I, Fuck I Apple. checked the stats the other day. There are zero listeners on, on iTunes. That's awesome. It, if you are listening to this on iTunes, you may be our first and or only listener on iTunes, and you should feel special about yourself. Um. Uh, another shout out uh, to Alex, as always, our beautiful editor. Um, makes everything here possible. Um, b- big shout out to that guy. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, catch us again next week when we read through page 3035, um, and finally find out how everything gets fucked up. Um, I, I, I don't think I usually say anything at this point, uh, besides just actually signing off, so, uh, I guess see you guys next week. Later. Bye.